Father, we thank you for tonight as we come before your holy word. Pray that your word will be a blessing to each and everyone hearing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good evening, guys. I'm very excited about tonight's teaching, and I'm also in an expectant mood for our upcoming faith convention, which will come on this weekend. It's, it's going to be a good one. I really, I really believe this is really going to be a good, a, a good one. I, I certainly know that. Amen. In lieu of that, I want to set the ball rolling and prepare for the coming weekend by teaching on faith tonight. So God willing, next week, we will, we will continue our series from the book of Romans from where we left off last week. And God bless all of you for contributing. Amen. Faith is one of the common buzzwords um, in, in the Christian faith and also around even our circles. And when I'm talking about our circle, I'm talking about Protestants. You know, the Protestants made of charismatics, Baptists, or we are Protestants. Faith is one of the common buzzwords. I'm not sure if many truly know what faith is and, and truly understand it. So uh, please do me a favor today, share today's message with a friend or a loved one. I believe that uh, the content God is going to speak to us through me will be a blessing to all who hear. Amen. But before that, let's talk about some common misconceptions on faith. Okay, so uh, first and foremost, faith is not magic. Faith is not magic. People treat faith like magic. It's, it's not. It's not magic. It doesn't. It doesn't work like that. Amen. Faith. Faith. Faith has a process, and and faith respects that. Second thing, faith doesn't move God. May I submit to your hearing that God has already moved. <laughs> He's waiting on you to move. God has already moved. Faith doesn't move God. I'll show you what faith does in, 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 as, as we continue listening. Faith doesn't change God. Your faith can't change God. Amen. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. Faith doesn't change God. I know in the Old Testament, sometimes you will see scriptures like, and the Lord changed his mind. <laughs> it, it didn't change his mind like a human being. Do you understand? So faith doesn't really change God. And sometimes you have to consider verbiage when you are reading some of these scriptures because God is not a man. Amen. Faith doesn't respond to anything outside the finished works of the cross. And I think that is one of the very most important things every Christian under this new covenant has to know when it comes to living and walking by faith. And mo most times if you are ignorant of what Christ has done when he died on the cross, it, it will be very difficult to live by faith because faith doesn't respond to anything outside the finished works of Christ. So you have to find out what did Christ do? What did he finish? And what he finished, that is what faith can take hold of. Amen. Faith is not assumption. Sometimes we treat faith like, you know, assuming. Faith, faith is not assumption. It's not assumption. So let's say, for example, we are believing God for healing of the eyes. You wear glasses. You don't want to wear glasses anymore. And you are believing God for healing of the eyes. When, when you pray and you believe God that you are healed, 
Don't assume that because you have prayed and because you have taken authority, it is okay to take off your glasses. And when you take off your glasses and when you start driving, you start having accidents and nobody wants to sit in your car. Faith also demands an evidence. So that's why I mean that faith is not assumption. Because if you don't allow faith to also give you an evidence, you will just assume and you will end at the wrong end of the stick. There are some people who have even been careless when it comes to believing God for healing and how they've handled some of these things. And they have ended up early in the grief or in the name of faith because they assumed, but they didn't have faith. Amen. Faith is not foolishness. There are some things you should never do. It's pure folly. Amen. Faith and foolishness are not twins. Faith and foolishness are not in the same brackets. Uh, Faith and foolishness are not related. They are not cousins. They are, they, are, they are very distant, way distant apart. It's like heaven and hell. They are not even close. Faith is not foolishness. And faith is not mental. All right? Faith is not mental. Faith is a heart thing. Amen. So let's try and know that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, amplified version. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. Being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of reality. Amen. So, this scripture is telling us that faith is the assurance of things we hope for. And it's the proof of things we do not see. You know, it, when, I, when I see that statement, the proof of things we do not see, I easily remember a check. A check is a proof of the money you don't see. But you have assurance that they are going to pay you. When you receive your pay slip, some receive their pay slip every week, others bi-weekly. You know, when you receive your pay slip, your pay slip is proof of money you don't see, but you have every faith that is in the bank account. That is how faith is like. And it's a conviction of reality. So faith also has to do with conviction. If you don't come to a place where you are fully convinced, if you don't come to a place where you have conviction, you can't tell me you are living by faith. Faith demands conviction. So when you come to a place of full conviction, when you come to a place where you are fully convinced, I can safely say you are on the path to faith. Amen. Now, there is something that I want us to take notice of. When it uses faith is the assurance of the things we hope for. And it opens it up in parenthesis and uses the word confirmation and then title deed. And I believe that in our modern world, we all know what a confirmation or a title deed is. A confirmation is normally proof. So let's say you want to travel or maybe you are booking a hotel. The, 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 the number that they will give to you, or let me even say characters, because it's normally a mixture of numbers and alphabets or letters. It, it's normally a confirmation. You don't have the tickets. You've never stepped foot in the hotel room, but you have every assurance that 
you have a room booked in the hotel or you have a seat reserved for you on the flight. Why? Because of confirmation. You think about it. When you are going to the airport to travel, you don't have a ticket. But you have enough confidence to pack your bags and baggage. You know, your hand luggage. Some people, they don't even take hand luggage. It's called body luggage. I don't call that hand luggage. And sometimes the airport, you don't know whether the bag is pulling them or they are pulling the bag. You know that those kind of people. I don't know whether they are pulling the bag or the bag is pulling them. Whatever. But you are traveling. It's like a certain um, traveling partner I have. Amen. <laughs> I travel with her a lot. So sometimes her bag, I don't know whether it's pulling her or she's pulling the bag. Anyway. But when you get to the airport, you are just going there in confidence that you will have a seat on the plane. Why? Because of a confirmation number. So sometimes you go to the self-service kiosk or you might go to the flight attendant and you will just give them the confirmation number. Sometimes it's eight characters or it could be more. And, and they will print your tickets. Now, what made you sit in the car? Drive to the airport. JFK, EWR, wherever. What made you do that? It's faith. So faith is like a confirmation number. So, faith really plays a key role in seeing the promises of God materialize in our lives. What is your confirmation? And most times we have to get our confirmation from the written word of God. That's faith. It also says that it's like a title deed. And a title deed, we all know, is a document that certifies you are the legal owner. It could be a house, it could be a car, whatever. Sometimes you might not even get the car, you might not even get the house, but you might get that certificate that shows that you own it. And you, you can have so much assurance that I'm a homeowner or I own a car. Why? Because of a piece of paper. You might not even have the car from the showroom. You might not have even seen the house. You might not have even stayed in the house, but you have every confidence to say, I'm a homeowner or I have a car. Why? Because of a deed. And that's what faith is like. Faith is the confirmation or the title deed of the things we hope for. So with faith, you don't really have to see it. You just have to have assurance, which is like the title deed or the confirmation. So many times in our work of faith, we always want to have the substance then we will say, ah, I believe. But faith doesn't work like that. Faith, once you have the assurance, that should be enough. The assurance says like a title deed or a confirmation that you will have what you are hoping for. That is faith. Because I tell you, when you start to like, I want to see the assurance, I want to see the substance, that is no longer faith. That, that is no longer faith. That's why the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Because when we see Jesus, we will not need faith anymore. Faith gives way to reality. We will not see it anymore. So that's what I'm trying to say. Once you want the substance, it just becomes a reality. 
But for you to have the manifestation of what you are hoping for, it is important to have faith as an assurance. And faith as an assurance serves as a confirmation or a title deed. I hope I'm making myself clear. Do we all understand? So faith is assurance. I believe God, I'll be healed. You don't have to necessarily experience the healing. You just have to have the assurance, which is like a title deed or a confirmation that I am healed. And that's enough. And you can just stick a claim on the title deed or the confirmation that indeed I am healed. For example, you are sick. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 is a typical example. The Bible lets us know that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for iniquity, the chastisement of peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. You can take that scripture as a confirmation. And no matter what you are going through, you still hold on to it that I'm healed. When you have a confirmation, it doesn't mean you have the substance. When you have a confirmation, it just means you have a standing offer that you will receive what you have, but you don't have it. And if we, we uh, natural people, if we can have faith in <laughs> a, generate, a, a computer-generated number, that is a confirmation number. And we believe that, but we cannot believe God on his word that what he has said will come to pass then we are not truly experiencing or living by faith so I mean I, I think everybody can live by faith that's what I really believe I just think it's you choosing to do it because certainly if all of us have flown before all of us have exercised an amount of faith if all of us have booked a hotel room before all of us have exercised a, an amount of faith if all of us have a car, we've all exercised an amount of faith. If all of us live in an apartment or you live in a house, you've exercised an amount of faith. So it's choosing to live by faith that matters for a believer. Amen. So faith is the evidence of the unseen. Is the evidence of the unseen. Now, with that said, I just want to give just some um, noteworthy points on faith. Okay, and then uh, we will close. Number one, faith is a gift given to us by God. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And the Bible says that God has dealt to every man. Now, it's just the last part of verse 3 that I'm, I'm stressing on. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So, faith is a gift from God. All right, so we, we have our natural faith if you are an unbeliever. But when you become a believer, you have faith. Every believer has faith. Every believer. Because it is a gift given to us by God. And God gave every believer the same kind of faith. You see, faith is not measured. But for the sake of illustration, let's say there is a metric unit to faith. So let's say it's measured in centimeters. So when God received us as his children by us confessing him as lord of lord of our, um, our lives he gave all of us faith so like i said faith is not measured but let's see for the first illustration so he gave you 10 he gave me 10 he gave everybody 10 
So God will not give someone more and give someone less. Okay? It's not like, you know, the, 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 the story that we read about Matthew chapter 25 where the, the Lord of the house gives some people talents. And that talent there, it's money. It's not talent as in skill or ability. It's money. It's, it's currency. Give some 10, some 5, some 1. But that, that's, not, that's not the case here. The case here is that when we all give our lives to Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we all receive the same measure of faith. Now, the difference is how come that some people seem to have more faith, some people seem to have less faith? It all has to do with your cooperation. It has to do with how much are you prepared to exercise and activate your faith. That's the only difference. So there are some people who work at it more, some people too don't. It's just like a body. None of us work for a body. We all have a body. Everybody. If you don't have a body, you are not alive. But how come some are built like the rock? And some too, you know. Because it, it depends on the workout you perform. Every, everybody who has a human body has the ability to shape and carve and work out their body that their body will be chiseled, it will, be, it, it, it will have a fine physique, a toned physique and all that. Everybody has that ability. Everybody. But it is you working it out, you activating your body, you cooperating, you putting your body through that regimen that will let your body stand out. You understand? So that's faith. So all of us have the same level of faith. Pastor Steve doesn't have more faith because he's a pastor and you have less faith because you are not a pastor. We all have the same faith. We are all at the same level. That's why I'm saying that if faith was measured for the purpose of illustration, if it's units, I receive 10 units, you receive 10 units. It's what you do with those 10 units that will determine how far you graduate or you experience God in your work of faith. Amen. Number two, faith is a lifestyle prescribed for the just. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. I'm just going to be paraphrasing the scriptures because I'm looking at time. It says that the just shall live by faith. I'm just looking at the latter part of the scripture. As natural beings, we live on this earth by our five senses. Sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. That, that's what makes us live uh, on this earth. We have five senses. If you don't have any of these five senses, the world labels you as disabled. Amen. To live in the spiritual realm, it's by faith. So in the spiritual realm, you are disabled not because you don't have sight or not because you've lost sense of hearing or sense of smell or taste or touch. In the spiritual realm, you, you are disabled because you don't live by faith. Because the only way by which we can live is by faith. Faith is a lifestyle for the just. And out of the word just is justification. So you and I, when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we have been justified. We are the just. The next important thing after receiving Christ is learning how to walk and live by faith. Amen. And what's living by faith is speaking, speaking and acting and on what you believe. 
Amen. Speaking and acting on what you believe. How did you become a Christian? You became a Christian by believing with your heart, confessing with your mouth. Now, how do you live that Christian walk of faith? You live that Christian walk of faith by believing with your heart, confessing with your mouth. So it doesn't only stop our salvation. It is a continuous process until the end of the age. Amen. Number three, the spirit of faith is released by believing and speaking. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. And Apostle Paul said something very powerful there. He said, and since we have the spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. And we also believe, therefore we speak. It's called the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is believing and speaking. The spirit of faith is we believe according to the word and speak according to it. What you believe affects your speech. If I want to know your beliefs, your speech is indicative. You can only speak right when you believe right. So when it comes to the spirit of faith, there has to be a heart-mouth connection. There has to be a heart-mouth connection. And the spirit of faith is believing, and because you believe with your heart, you speak it. That is called the spirit of faith. That's how it's released. So if we want to experience the spirit of faith in full operation, we have to be good custodians of what we put in our hearts because what we put in our hearts will definitely come out of our mouth. Amen. So if you want to speak the word of God, the word of God first has to be here. And when the word of God is in your heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the, the spirit of faith cannot work if there is a divorce between the heart and the mouth. There has to be a heart-mouth connection. That's how you release the spirit of faith. So when you hear the spirit of faith, the spirit of faith has to do with believing and therefore speaking. Amen. Do you understand? Number four, faith is a law. Romans chapter 3 verse 27. Now, if you do remember, we did this in, in our previous studies on the book of Romans. And Apostle Paul asked the question that, how are you justified? Is it by boasting? No. Is it by the law? No. Is it by works? No. But by the law of faith. If you do remember that, I made so much commentary on that. And what is a law? A law is an established principle. Amen. So, laws work. It's one of the reasons why I like math. You know, Americans say math. English, Ghanaians, we say maths. No, I say. The, the principle doesn't change. I don't know who created that subject called English. And some things don't make sense to me. How can you say house and then houses, but you don't say house? But when you say mouse, you can't say mouses. You have to say mice. Does English really make sense to you? It really doesn't, you know. It doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't work like that in math. The same principle. No matter how big the equation is, no matter how big the equation is, the principle is still the same. That's it. (laughs) 
Americans, you call it Pedmas. Is it ped, Pedmas? I think Pedmas. England, Ghana, we call it Bodmas. No matter how big the equation is, if you use Bodmas, it's going to work every time. Amen. The law, the law is the same. And so is faith. And what is the law of faith? The law of faith is believing with your heart, speaking it with your mouth, and then later following it with your action. That's the law of faith. So how did we become saved? We became saved by the law of faith. And the law of faith is believing with your heart, confessing with your mouth, believing with your heart that Jesus is Lord, he came to die for you, confessing it with your mouth. And then later, as you have received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, it has to show through your actions. That is what is called your fruits. That is the law of faith. It is by believing and speaking. So faith is a law. This same law is also what is called the spirit of faith. Do you understand? Number five. Corresponding actions make our faith living and alive. Let me stop here for now. Did we all get the four points? Let me know. Thumbs up, then I can continue. Did we all get the points? Thumbs up. I see only one thumbs up. Okay. Did we all get the points? Okay. Great. So, number five. Correspondent actions make our faith living and active. Now, let me read this one. James chapter 2, verse 14 to 18. James chapter 2, verse 14 to 18. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You, will have, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. Amen. So, corresponding actions make our faith living and alive. So, faith doesn't only stop at believing with your heart and speaking with your mouth. It's faith, but it's not the whole equation. It's not the whole pie of faith. Now, what sums up the whole pie of faith is action corresponding action to your beliefs is what makes it faith amen so sometimes in our charismatic circles we all believe in believing it with your heart and speaking it with your mouth but it's not going to materialize if you don't add corresponding actions to it that's a huge problem so sometimes, let's say you receive a prophecy, you are going to be a millionaire. You can believe it with your heart. You can speak it with your mouth. But <laughs> the corresponding action. Do you know anything about finances? Do you know how to save? Do you know how to invest? Now, there are a, lot, there are a series of things you will have to do to see that thing materialize. So the average believer will just believe it with a heart and just confess it and will just go to sleep. It doesn't work that way. You have to correspond your belief and your speaking 
with right actions. That is how faith works. And the Bible lets us know that when you correspond your actions with your belief and your speaking, faith becomes alive. It becomes living. It becomes potent. But faith without works is dead. So most times, Christians, we make our faith dead by neglecting the works. No matter what God has promised you, no matter what God has called you to do, you can believe it, you can speak it. Where is the corresponding action? That's what I ask you. You are going to pass your exam. Great. Where is the corresponding action of scheduling time to study? You are going to have a business. Great. Believe it with your heart. Speak it. Where is the corresponding action of now sitting down to investigate, to research, to put in your effort, to, to, to plan, to strategize, to map out, to start reading some books on um, people who have become successful entrepreneurs? Where is your corresponding action? You receive a prophecy. You will marry. You believe it with your heart. You speak it. Where is the corresponding action of learning how to network with people? And perhaps through that, you will get your mates. Where is the corresponding action? So everything God will say to us, please, from today, remember, where is the corresponding action? If you don't think like that as a believer, you will really be behind. And then these same people will say that this faith stuff, it doesn't work. These pastors, they tricked us with our money. Faith works. But you have to add corresponding action to your beliefs. Maybe God has called you into the ministry. Great. Where is your corresponding action of studying, corresponding action of preparing, corresponding action of reading a book? Look, it's not just going to happen. It's not going to happen. I had a friend, he always go for a program, he'll come back, wow, they prophesied to me that I'm a great man of God. And that's all. 20 years, he still keeps on talking about prophecy. And sometimes I'm like, wow, when is he going to wake up and smell the coffee? That 20 years I've been receiving prophecy that I'll be a great man of God, I'll be a great man of God. So I normally ask him one question when he tells me that. Do you have a study Bible? He says, no. I say, wow, look at you. You believe that God has really called you to do this and you haven't even prepared and bought yourself a study Bible? You know, so everything that you would you will receive, everything that you believe, everything that you confess with your mouth, you will have to follow it with corresponding action. Where is the action? If that is not there, the Bible lets us know that faith without works is dead. And this scripture, we see it right here. You can't just say, I believe it's good to do good. I believe it's good to show mercy to the poor. But you don't feed the person. What good does it do? What good does it do? Faith without works is there. So from today, if we want to be able to seriously walk this lifestyle of faith, let us add corresponding actions to our belief. Amen. Number six, feed on the word to have the God kind of faith. Romans 10, 17. 
popular scripture. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How did we receive the gift of faith? Remember our first scripture, Romans 12, 3, we say, God has given to every man the measure of faith. Now, God did not give us the, the gift of faith in a vacuum. It came through a medium. It came through someone preaching the word of God, and that is how we receive faith that made us believe in the first place. So, faith comes through the word of God. And if faith comes through the word of God, you will need to sustain yourself on the word of God so that you'll be able to keep your faith going. Amen. So faith is um, faith comes by reading, hearing the word of God. The avenue, the number one agency by which we can develop our faith is to feed on the word of God. Sometimes you can see some people who have strong faith. And, and the reason why you can see that they have strong faith is because you know that they are feeding on the word of God. You know, there is a popular rule in nutrition. You are what you eat. It's true spiritually. I can look at your faith and I can determine what have you been eating. Do you eat enough of the word of God? Or you are eating CNN, Fox News, ESPN? What are you eating? What is your diet? Because what comes out of you? That's what we will know. Are you eating soups? Are you eating a lot of music? Feeding yourself with the word of God because the word of God will build your faith. And when you have built up faith, you are a candidate for a series of victories. The Bible says that for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, even our faith. It's no weak faith that will overcome the world. It's strong faith that will overcome the world. And for you to have that kind of faith, you have to develop the habits, the consistent, continuous habits of feeding yourself the word of God. The word of God is like food. We need a word. Amen. That's why in the Bible, the word is synonymous with food. When a baby is born, the baby has to have breast milk. The Bible lets us know that we should desire the sincere milk of the word that we will grow thereby. In order to sustain the growth of the baby as an adult, food, solid food, is necessary requirement. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 lets us know that solid food belongs to those who are of full age. And that's the word of God. The word of God is like food. So if we want to develop our God kind of faith, we need to feed on God's word. Number seven, grace works through faith. Grace works through faith. I think it's a very important one. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, the Bible says that for by grace we have been saved through faith. It is not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God. Um, believer, listen to me carefully today. You really need to learn how to live in the balance of grace and faith. You can't just live by grace alone. You also can't live by faith alone. You have to learn to live in the balance of grace and faith. Because faith and grace, they really work hand in hand. That's why I said that faith doesn't respond to anything outside the finished works of the cross. That's grace. It's through that that the avenue of grace came into play. So you can't just live by grace alone. You also can't live by faith alone. You have to learn how to live in the balance 
of grace and faith. You know, um, salt. Salt is made up of two chemical elements which are very poisonous. I hope you know that. If for those of you if you did science, the you know, chemical equation, that is sodium chloride. So it's made out of two poisonous chemicals, sodium and then chlorine. Do you know that if I give you sodium alone, you could die? And if I give you chlorine alone too, you could die. Both of them are very dangerous. Pharmacists, am I right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Thank you. So sodium could kill, chlorine could also kill. But is this same sodium chlorine when it is compounded? We get salt that we use for food, that we use for seasoning. So the seasoning that you are you are having, it's made by two <laughs> dangerous chemicals. And when we decide to just live alone by faith, live alone by grace, and we don't understand the balance of grace and faith, we will really move into serious errors. And that's why, even when you watch our Christian templates very well, two of the teachings that have extreme views are grace teachings and faith teachings. You know? Because... We've not learned to anchor them very well with the other parts. You know, people who really emphasize on grace, they are very hyper-grace people. They end up becoming very, very uh, lascivious and very lazy and very passive. Because to, 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 to the grace guy, everything that is work is a sin. So they don't they don't know how to balance the equation very well with faith, and people too who are extreme by faith, you know, they live by faith too. They become very legalistic, and they think that it is because I confess the word because of faith that's why I get things. You know, you get things because number one, God has made provision through Christ who died on the cross. And faith becomes the check by which you cash in into the finished works of the cross. That is why you are, that's why your faith is working. It is not working because you spend 10,000 hours confessing scriptures, 10,000 hours praying, 10,000 hours doing things. That is why you are making it. So we have to learn how to live in the balance of grace and faith. For we have been saved by grace through faith. It wasn't grace alone that saved us, and it wasn't faith alone that saved us. It's a combination of these two powerful forces that saved us. And if these two powerful forces are responsible for our salvation, we have to now learn to live in the balance of grace and faith. That's why Word of Faith movement, it's a blessing. I believe in Word of Faith, but it has some very extreme views which has caused more harm than good in the body of Christ. Amen. So, uh, we should be careful. We should be careful. I like one thing that Kenneth Higgin of Blessed Memory said, that if you want to be a successful pastor, always learn how to stay in the middle of the road. Don't overstretch a truth. When you overstretch a truth, it ends up becoming false. See, every movement started very good, but when you overstretch it, it just becomes false. Because truth is guarded by parameters. You always try and remember that. In the, in the 
uh, his church, the church series, I've spoken about the apostle, the prophets, and the evangelists. One group is prone to becoming false teachers, and that's apostles, because they carry a signature message. And when you carry a signature message, you always have to remember to stay in the middle of it and anchor your thoughts and govern them by the word of God. Otherwise, when you stretch one truth, you end up into so much. And, and that, that really happens. People who normally say they have a signature message, listen to them for some time. You will start to sense error because it happens. When you stretch truth, you, you always you, you'll be erroneous. Because sometimes the feeling of, oh, I have to repeat the same thing over and over again is boring. And that, that, yeah, you might have a signature message. So the, the impression to have something new can make you create error. Amen. And that's what has happened with the World of Faith movement. You know, things like we are little gods. We are not little gods. We are children of God. We are not little gods. And the size, you can't determine the size of my faith by I'm prosperous. I've made it. I drive a nice car. I live in a plush house. When you start to do all those things, you're entitled to error. I believe Christians have to prosper. I like Pastor Robert's question he asks. You know, you don't pit prosperity against spiritual blessings. I think we can marry both of them, you know, very well because it, people, people prosper. People who serve God prosper, right? So there is nothing wrong with prosperity. At the end of it all, you also can't judge the size of my faith by material possessions have gained uh, that that is not correct for example one of the common heresies is we are to live 120 years and everybody who has preached that has not lived 120 years you know so something is not right so that's what i'm trying to say when you go through too extreme with one view you begin to go into serious errors so christians Let's learn to live in the balance of grace and faith because these two forces are responsible for our salvation. It's not one. It's not only grace alone. It's not only faith alone. It's the balance of the two. Amen. Number eight, faith works by love. Galatians chapter five, verse six. And let me quote the last um, sentence of the verse. It says, faith worketh by love. Grace works by faith, and faith also works by love. So, I'll say they are triplets. So, you have grace, faith, and love. See, grace can work by faith, and faith will work by love. Amen. So, one cannot work without the other. So, if you're a Christian, don't have act against one another. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You want your faith to be operative. You want your faith to be active. You want your faith to be living. It's not worth it. Faith works by love. Amen. When you don't have love, you don't have faith. It's not going to work. Amen. And sometimes there are some people who are doing everything well until it comes to love. You are not forgiven. You hold too many grudges. And that has short-circuited the power of faith in your life. And you are not experiencing the blessing of walking and living by faith. It's not worth it. Amen. Let every grudge go. Walk in love so that your faith can be operative. Don't let there be a dead cut on the conveyor belt 
that is stopping the blessings flowing on that belt. Amen. All right, number nine. Praying in the Spirit builds our faith. Jude one twenty, Amplified. But beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith, founded on your most holy faith. Make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher, prayed in the Holy Spirit. Now, praying in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. So if you're a Christian and you have the grace gift of speaking in tongues, speak in tongues as much as possible because by speaking in tongues, you build your most holy faith. When you build your faith, your faith will rise higher and higher and higher like an edifice. I don't want a Masonite faith. I want a skyscraper faith. Therefore, I'll speak in tongues. Yes, and learn also how to pray with your understanding. But speak in tongues and build your faith up. Build your faith up. Have a Burj Khalifa type of faith. That's the highest building in this world. Have a Burj Khalifa type of faith. Build your faith up. Higher and higher and higher. You know, for me, whenever I speak in tongues, I'm always happy. Because I always remember this scripture. Always. Always. I'm like, wow, I'm building my faith up. I'm building, I'm building my faith up. And, I, and, and it gives me some oomph just to speak in tongues. Amen. So I really pray that if you've not received the gift of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which comes to the evidence of speaking in tongues, make yourself available and receive it. Perhaps a camp meeting will be the best place to, to receive that. Amen. It's, it's a blessing. Number 10. Our faith is strengthened when we thank God. Romans 4.20. Let me read this in the Amplified. I don't know if you guys remember we did it. No unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly questioned concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. You see, Abraham was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Faith is strengthened when we thank God. You are empowered by faith when you give praise and glory to God. Do you know the most important segment of a service? It's not the preaching. The most important segment of every church service is the praise and worship. Because how do we define the church? A gathering of believers who have assembled for the purpose of worshipping or praising God. It's not just any assembly. It's the assembly that has gathered for a purpose to worship God. So therefore, what is the most important segment of a church service? Is the praise and worship. Praise and worship is not for late comers. Praise and worship is not to while away the time for the preaching. The preaching preaching is not the important part. You think when we go to heaven, we will preach? We are not going to preach. When when we go to heaven, the Bible is a sealed book. Every word of the Bible has been fulfilled. That's why it's called the show. It will be hung there. What we will be doing in heaven is praise and worship. So, like praise and worship, okay? Because we will do a lot of it in heaven. (laughs) Amen. No preaching. Who is going to preach? Is it Apostle Paul or Barnabas? Or, nobody is going to preach. There is no preaching. We need the preaching. We need God doesn't need preaching. You can't preach to God. What can you preach to God? He wrote the Bible. And he's just giving you bits of his idea for you to preach. 
What is the most important is praise and worship. Praise and worship is the most important part of a church service. And praise and worship will also help you be empowered by faith. Learn how to give praise and glory to God. And when you do that, your, 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 faith, your faith will grow. It will become strengthened. And that's what helped Abraham. Because there was no Bible. You know, Abraham's time, there was no Bible. Where was the Bible? There was no Bible. But how was Abraham able to build and strengthen his faith? Was through giving praise and glory to God. And that's why he was able to hold on and receive the promise. Amen. Number 11. Faith is a fight. Faith is a fight. And before I talk about this, let me say something. The highest form of faith is thanksgiving. You can tweet it. Amen. Okay, number 11, faith is a fight. Second, first Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. The Bible said that we should fight the good fight of faith and lay hold onto eternal life, which we have been called and confess the good confession, the presence of many witnesses. But my key word here is the first five words of verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Six, I'm sorry, fight the good fight. Of faith. faith is a fight because it has to do with beliefs here. It takes a tough and a disciplined mind to stay focused on the finished works of grace when all odds are against you. You only give up when you faint in your mind. Amen. So faith is a, is a, is a tough fight. You have to be able to fight the good fight of faith. What has God said concerning your life? Are you going to believe it? Are you going to hold on to it? It's a faith fight. You have to fight the good fight of faith. Faith is a fight. So if you want to live this lifestyle of faith, welcome to a fight. You are going to have all odds thrown against you. That is why to live this faith life, you have to believe in prayer and fasting. You have to believe in prayer and fasting. We don't pray and fast necessarily to bind demons. Christ dealt with that on the cross of Calvary. The devil is a defeated foe. Do you understand? One of the main reasons why we fast and pray is one, so that we can make time with God, pray, read more Bible, be, live a consecrated life. That's one aspect. We, we fast and pray so that we'll be able to know the mind and the counsel of God. Acts chapter 13. I quoted that last week when I talked on the prophets. The prophets were able to know the mind of God and they separated Paul and Barnabas to go and do the work because they fasted and prayed. So that's one of the reasons why you fast and pray. You, 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 you are able to hear clearly from God and there are no clogs. You understand? But one of the main reasons why we fast is to deal with the mountain of unbelief. And when unbelief is dealt with, faith can easily flow. When unbelief is dealt with, you will be able to win the fight of faith. So one of the, the things you have to have in your armor is fast and pray. And that's why we fast and pray. That's why we fast and pray. Amen. So fasting and prayer is not punishment, okay? It's not punishment like, Pastor doesn't like you. I will always fasting. No, fasting and prayer is exercise that will build our faith to be able to fight the good fight of faith against doubts, and against unbelief. I always say this, and let me say it again. I don't cancel unbelief. If you come to me and you tell me you have unbelief, I'll just tell you, go and fast. <laughs> that, that's it. I don't cancel unbelief because I, I don't intend to be wiser than the Bible. I don't see any strategy, anything here. I'm not Dr. Phil. 
You know, I'm not Oprah. I'm not going to sit down, talk to you about... I, I, you know, there are some things that's not counseling. It's just fast and pray. I'm believe. I'm struggling to believe the promise of God. I have doubts. It is time to fast and pray. Because that's how you deal with doubts and unbelief. Amen. And number 12, the last one. We please God by faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let me end that statement there. You please God by faith. If you want to please God, live and walk by faith. Amen. Sorry, which one is Hebrew? What is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Thank you. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. God is pleased when we serve Him by faith. Faith gives us a good report and a good standing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2. The Bible says that for by it, the elders obtained a good report. Other versions say the elders obtained a good testimony. And another version says the elders obtained a good standing. If you want to obtain a good standing before God, learn how to live by faith. And what does it mean to live by faith? Believing with your heart, confessing with your mouth, and following it with action. This is basically the whole summation of faith. Amen. I pray that you are blessed by these 12 points I shared with you um, this evening. I know I went fast, so probably just listen to the message over and over again. Let this sink. And probably share this message too with someone who might need to hear this message on how to live and walk by faith. Amen. The floor is now open for questions. I have two minutes on the clock. God bless you. thinking so um you said we should speak right we speak um belief um and then we have to have the corresponding action okay so how do we know what the right corresponding action is amen next week it's eight, it's eight o'clock. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> Amen. Please write your question down. I, I promise you we will answer it next week. You know when I promise you I do it. Write your questions down, please. Don't forget your questions. So, ma'am, please write your question down. I would like to hear your question, okay? Don't forget it so that next week we will answer that. Or hopefully, who knows, maybe Pastor Frank will preach on, on the weekend and probably he will answer all these questions. I pray he answers it. Amen. Anyway, we will still answer it next week. We'll answer it next week. Amen. All right. Uh, who can sum up what we've learned today? What did you learn? Don't sum up. Just what you learned. What, what really touched your heart? Just one. I want only one person. It's 8 o'clock. It's 8 o'clock. I want to close. Just one thing. What one thing did you learn? Believe with my heart, speak the word, and then follow with the action, which you will answer next week. Okay. 
Amen. Father, I guess I'm not the only one with the question. We mix this word with faith yeah. that it will profit us. Thank you for what we have heard. We declare our hearts are good soil and the seed of this word will grow because we are determined to live and walk by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Please, Saturday is the faith convention. Please, all of you here, make me a deal. Give me two hours, 30 minutes of your time on Saturday, okay? 1 p.m. to 2.15, 7 p.m. to 8.15. Give me two hours, 30 minutes of your time. I'm borrowing two hours, 30 minutes of everybody's time. Let's all be here, amen. I believe you will be blessed. They said there are three things you can do with time. You spend time, you waste time, or you invest time. I believe this two hours and 30 minutes is investing your time. You are not spending the time and you will not waste it. Good night. Love you guys. Bye. See you on Saturday, 1 p.m. I will be there. Okay.